Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG Podcast, I'm your host John, and in this episode we're going to be discussing a few ways that you can hint about monster weaknesses in your D&D games. So before we start talking about this subject, I want to thank Zach James who requested this idea on a comment on a previous YouTube episode. Thank you very much for that, Zach. And we love getting episode suggestions from people. If you've got a suggestion you'd like to see, either drop a comment in one of our YouTube videos like Zach did or leave us a voicemail message on the podcast. And there'll be contact details at the end of this episode. So, you might be saying to yourself, well, why is it important to even have monster weaknesses, never mind hinting at them? Well, as I've discussed in previous episodes, I'm a big fan of monsters that have discoverable weaknesses, or Achilles heels, if you will, for the following reasons. First of all, it allows your characters to face off against much more difficult monsters, stat-wise. A monster may be almost impossible to defeat using standard combat tactics, however, If you can discover a weakness, then it may circumvent the need for a large combat altogether, or at least give you a vital edge should you need to confront said baddie. Which is great for the GM because it means you can throw a wider variety and differing power levels of enemies at your PCs without them just wiping out the player party straight off. And how much you bothered about that depends on the version of D&D you're running and the type of game you run. But it's always nice for the player characters to at least have a chance, no matter how small, of defeating an enemy they come across. And if they're well prepared and researched, then these weaknesses can give them a little edge. Also, having a weakness rewards players who pay attention or who are playing more research-focused characters. Don't get me wrong, playing a muscle-bound barbarian, a cunning thief, or a pious cleric is absolutely great, but some people like playing slightly more academic characters, whether that be a class like the Sage, as discussed in our Lost Classes, the Arnasonian Classes review, link in the description of this episode, or simply the manner in which the player chooses to roleplay a more traditional class. It also gives a solid reason for player characters to try and find out more about the lore of your game world. Now, as GMs, we all create lore and history for our game worlds, but if the PCs have no interest or reason to discover it, then that effort can pretty much go to waste. And if you enjoy creating that, that is absolutely fine and dandy. But personally, for me, I don't want to create loads of stuff It's not really going to have any impact on the game. Bringing some of the game lore to the fore can also add extra depth and texture to your campaign world, making it seem more like an actual lived-in place. Although you shouldn't just do a massive lore dump, in my opinion, since these can be a little bit on the tedious side if you go overboard with it, but a few snippets of lore or legends can give your campaign that lived-in feel. In OSR games, where the focus is often as much about the player skill and intelligence as the characters, it can reward player knowledge if the monster is based on a real-world mythological source. For example, the vampire's vulnerability to holy symbols, garlic and sunlight, or a were-creature's weakness to silver. So, how do you hint or give players the opportunity to discover monster weaknesses? Well, there are a few different ways you can go about it. For ease in this episode, I've divided them into two categories. 
information you can find during action scenes and information that you can discover via background research. As I say, this is just for convenience during this episode. They're not strict limits by any means, and the line between the two can often blur when it comes to running a game, and this is absolutely fine. So first of all, let's look at information you can find during action scenes. How might a canny player discover a monster weakness during play? Well, you can sometimes do it by observing the monster's behaviour at close quarters. As a GM, if the monster has a weakness that is potentially liable to cause it a great deal of problems, then you should reflect this in how the creature behaves in play. To go back to our tried and trusted examples of the vampire and the werewolf, vampires only operate at night, suggesting they have some issues operating during the day. This can lead to the conclusion that they are either strengthened by the darkness, weakened by the daylight, or perhaps both, depending on the variety of vampire that your games are actually based on. Werewolves and other lycanthropes are often vulnerable to precious metals, such as silver. Silver weapons, jewellery, and even money are fairly common in games of D&D. Perhaps, when struck by a silver weapon, the lycanthrope lets out a pained howl, or it leaves an ugly scar on them. Maybe when it has rendered a PC it was carrying a lot of silver coins unconscious, it goes to finish them off, but at the last minute sniffs the air near their coin pouch and then shies away. We've also got the tried and tested example from D&D where trolls are capable of regenerating, but fire and acid prevents that regeneration. And we often have parties of adventurers exploring dungeons carrying lit torches and sources of flame. So if the player characters notice that the trolls that are attacking them tend to favour those characters who aren't carrying torches, they may reach the quite correct conclusion that fire is something of a bane to these creatures and they can then use that to their advantage another way of doing this is by examining the scene of a monster's previous activities and this can often give you clues to their weaknesses if they're vulnerable to a certain type of place like holy ground for instance perhaps the creature has devastated an entire village destroying buildings and farmsteads but there is a single small chapel that has been left untouched if a monster has a weakness akin to a vampire's inability to cross running water, some of the fleeing villagers may have been pursued by the beast, but when they got to a ford on the river, the creature suddenly broke off its pursuit. Another way you can do this in a slightly different method is if a monster has minions or servants that are not afflicted with the same weakness as they are, they may purposefully send their minions to destroy a target that has the ability to affect them, thus clearing the way for their master. So to use our example of the werewolf, perhaps the creature is intelligent and wants to ravage the village, but knows that there is a silver mine on the outskirts that could be used to forge weapons and potent charms against it. A few days before its planned attack, the creature sends mortal agents to sabotage and collapse the mine, so that it is difficult for these resources to be marshaled against it. A canny player may realise that the first few isolated attacks were designed to remove impediments to the main attack and therefore may divine a creature's weakness from that. So now let's move on to information that can be discovered by research. The first place you can look is local legends and myths. These are often a good source of potential information when it comes to discovering a creature's weakness. Think of all those old hammer horror vampire films where the locals living in the shadow of Castle Dracula hang garlic bulbs and crosses on their windows to ward off the evil count. 
To avoid the law dump scenario we mentioned earlier, this information should often not be volunteered freely. We often see in vampire films that more intelligent people, normally a local landowner or a visitor to the area, are often dismissive of these quaint local customs. Locals may not even like to talk about it, believing that to discuss the vampire, or whatever creature we're talking about, is tempting fate and inviting disaster and the attentions of said creature. This creates a potentially interesting scenario where the player characters may have to ingratiate themselves with the local populace, perhaps leading to other tasks or adventures, or maybe find a sympathetic person so they can get them to reveal the origins of these local charms. And even once that's been done, there's no guarantee that all of them may work. Some of them may be outright faults. But a canny GM can bury a kernel of truth amidst these superstitious tales that hints at a true weakness for the creature who's menacing the area. And finally, finding out about the origin of the creature in question can often reveal hints about their weaknesses. There are numerous vampire films and books where a vulnerability to silver has been linked to the silver pieces given to Judas Iscariot for his betrayal of the Messiah. Now, as a GM, if you have a clear notion of how a creature was created or came into being, then consider linking a weakness to the origin of the creature as a reward for any PCs who look into local history to find out more about the monster in question. For example, Perhaps you have a restless spirit menacing the village that is reputed in local legends to be an evil man who strangled his wife after mistakenly believing she was having an affair. He disposed of her body and was buried in an unmarked grave. The villagers discovered what the man had done and because of his crimes they put him to death. However, the body of his unfortunate wife was never discovered. Now, if the player characters can find the grave of the deceased wife, perhaps her grave dust, her bones, or the wedding ring that she wore might prove to be a potent charm against the malicious spectre. And as I've said, as a GM, I would strongly urge you, fellow GMs, to consider putting in such a weakness related to the origins of a creature. This is particularly easy with undead or creatures that have been created from more normal humans or have been cursed in some way. And in doing so, you not only give canny players a reward for looking into this history and finding out the weakness, but it also allows you to thread in a little bit more of that game lore we talked about earlier, but in a way that's interesting and relevant to the players without just dumping a load of lore on them. So there we are. There's a few suggestions as to how you can reveal monster weaknesses and how you can work them into the background of your D&D campaign and some of the advantages for doing so. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. As we said earlier, if you want to get in touch to talk about this episode, maybe talk about some ways you've incorporated monster weaknesses in your own game, or just about anything in general to do with tabletop RPGs, perhaps you want to suggest an episode like Zach did, you may even see your suggestion used as the basis for a future episode. If you do want to get in touch, you can do so in a few different ways. You can leave us a voicemail message using SpeakPipe or Anchor. There'll be a link in the description of this episode. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. We really do enjoy getting your call-ins and your emails. So again, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks very much for listening. Until we see you again, take care, stay safe, 
and whatever you're playing, have fun. <laughs>